Digital Marketing Radio, episode 258. How to spice up your live streams and turn your continuous content into a show. Digital Marketing Radio with David Bain. Hi, I'm David Bain and this is Digital Marketing Radio, the podcast and YouTube show for in-house agency and entrepreneurial marketers who want to stay on top of the latest tools, tactics and trends as shared on DMR by today's modern marketing masters. When I started Digital Marketing Radio in 2014, there were 150,000 podcasts. Now, there are over 2 million of them. YouTube's seen the same exponential growth. There are around 40 million YouTube channels in 2021. So what does that mean to you as a content creator? You can't be average anymore. You need to work on your audio quality, your video quality, and your production value. Your competition in 2021 is anything that competes for your audience's attention. And that is Netflix. And if your content quality is bad, then people aren't going to stick around. In this episode 258 of Digital Marketing Radio, we're going to be looking at how to create a top quality, highly engaging show on YouTube, helping you to drive engagement and retain your audience. Joining me to discuss that is a man with over 15 years of experience in search engine optimization. He's currently the search marketing global lead at Workday and founder and host of the SEO video show on YouTube. Welcome to DMR. Dre Devera. Hey, hey, what's up, David? How are you doing today? I'm very good, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm way can't wait to geek out on our tech and we're gonna have a big geek out, yes. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on, Dre. You can find Dre over at SEO.video. So first simple question, Dre, what got you into live streaming? I it was a it was a hobby. It's it started off as a hobby. Well, it is still a hobby because at first, I wanted to start a podcast. And then when we were stuck at home, I realized all the podcasters were actually recording video first. And then, because I never knew they were recording video, I was like, you know what? Let me go ahead and start recording video and see how this works out. And so that's when my show was born. I still haven't had the chance to convert it to a podcast yet, but it was it was that, that, that moment where I figured out podcasters were actually recording themselves and putting on YouTube. And so that's when I said, hey, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. Yeah, it's it's so challenging to do absolutely everything. I mean, I started off as a podcast and then moved on to video, but I'm so <laughs> anal about my audio quality. I want to edit my audio completely and separate tracks before putting it on uh, as a podcast. And many YouTubers actually just strip the audio out of out of their videos and then use that as a podcast. I don't I don't love that because audio is not absolutely pristine, but um perhaps that's me just being a little bit crazy. So 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 we we're talking beforehand about our own setups. So give the listener a bit of a feel, the the viewer a little bit of a feel of your current setup. So my current setup here I'm using a software called Vmix. Vmix is a live stream software. I believe that you're using it yes. too. And I have a I have a three camera setup. You can see See, um, my main my main camera right here. I have one to my right over here, and then one to my left right here. And the the reason why I have multiple camera setups is to have that pattern interruption. Right when I'm going doing live streams, in order for me to just get more attention, I cut to a different camera. Or if I have a different segment in my show, to kind of let them know that hey, we're in this part of my show. Let me go ahead and put this angle here. So I use the camera to tell the story or break up my, my actual show into different segments. So I don't use multiple cameras at the moment. Um, I break things up a little bit by using a bit of software that I'm testing called Virtual Video Director. And 
it's automated. Is your setup automated or do you change everything manually? I'm actually changing man everything manually here. I mean, I wish I could show you, but I might disconnect it, but I have the X keys 80. Have you familiar with X keys? I'm, I'm like uh, keys that you can... I'm familiar with it. I mean, I currently use Stream Deck, which is something quite similar. Yeah, so I have the, I have the 80 X keys. So I have 80 keys in front of me that are all programmed to do one certain thing. And I'll tell you this, none of them are labeled. So whatever it is, <laughs> I'm visually... I, I, I know which key is what by just... Just for and how, how, how do often it. do you press the wrong key? <laughs> I, I did it actually maybe twice in this past year. I started the show just about a year ago. So maybe twice. So I've, uh, I'm pretty good at it. Okay. Um, so that's, uh, I guess, your video. You've got uh, three different video cameras. Maybe just staying on video for a second. So, so what's the camera and lens setup you've got and why do you choose that? All right. So my, my camera setup, I want to have like the most... Um, my main camera is one where I want the view to be not distorted, right? Not too wide, not too narrow, just so I can look normal on the camera. So yeah. I chose a 24 millimeter, uh, 1.4, I believe from Sigma. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I chose that low of a aperture was so, so I can get that nice bokeh in the background, that blurry background that can give you that nice quality look and it can, it can separate you from the background. So I use that. And then my two cameras here are, are like at eye level. So I can make sure when you do ca different camera setups, you want to make sure your eyes are in the same line on the screen. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't look funny. Yeah. So I try to line it up where it across my eyes. And then I have different zooms there so I can adjust how I want them to look, if, what, depending on my what I'm recording. Okay. And, and you mentioned that you change your camera. So it goes into, what's the name of the bit of hardware that you use for that? X keys. So X keys X, is my X, hardware work. X keys. But, but you also have a, it's a black magic box. It's called. Oh no, 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 no. Okay. So I need to have a capture card for my computer for all these inputs. So I have uh, a black magic uh, four input capture card. Uh, it's 4k. So it can grab 4k mm -hmm. quality into my computer and it's all streaming into my system, which is vmix. And so I'm actually, pro I'm actually programming vmix on these X keys. So like I have a camera input on BMX one, two, and three, a camera one, two, and three on my. So what keys. spec of computer do you need to be able to handle that? I, I just, you know, I didn't know anything about live streaming last year. So I bought a course and I just followed everything in this course. Um, I mean, I give them, I love giving them a shout out because they are the ones that actually help me. They're called live streaming pros. Mm -hmm. Those, they actually put out a course out there to help you just get started. And I just pretty much bought everything. I trusted everything on their, on their high end on their high end, because I knew if I spent the money, I'm going to take it serious. Because yeah. if I, you know, if I, if I didn't spend the money, it's like, oh, okay, I'll maybe not start. But if I spent the money and spent, you know, for that high quality computer, lenses, cameras, whatever it is, I would be able to make sure I take the serious and, you know, push, push out content every week for what I do. But yeah, so I have an Alienware gaming PC. Mm -hmm. It, it's it's I, I don't know the full specs, but it it cost me about three thousand bucks. Okay, and it was so it was one of those computers that was pretty pretty loaded. Okay, I've got a similar kind of computer. I mean, it cost me about two thousand pounds UK, so it's about three thousand dollars or yeah. so. And um, yep. it's 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 necessary if you're going to do <laughs> um, a, a lot of four um, K or a lot of cameras into the computer um, and live stream to multiple places at the same time. It it sounds a lot of money, but it makes life a lot easier when you're able to do things quickly and effectively, and things don't slow down when you're trying to do stuff. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You need that that GPU, that GPU, and just that graphics card. Oh my god, yes. So that, I mean, that's your camera 
setup, your 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 visual setup. What about audio? I see that you're using a Shure SM7B uh, microphone. Yes. Does that what, what does that go into before it hits your computer? It goes into Go, go XLR. So okay. I have a Go XLR. It's the one where it has just one input for an XLR and other out inputs for like a one of the smaller mics. And then, you know, I have three fader, four faders here, my sound effects. And that's how I actually do my intros for my guest. Mm. I changed my, I created a voiceover where I can do like this, where I can go. Welcome, David <laughs> So I, I do stuff like that to just get things interesting on the show. But I will read out a whole bio on with that voice. And then I have it like, you know, it's like this wrestling feel that I have going on. That's superb. Uh, I mean, I love playing around with things like that as well. I didn't do a course. I just um, <laughs> learned everything myself, did everything the hard way and ended up having a mixer beforehand, a Soundcraft mixer, and I could bring in different effects. And um, for one SEO that you'll probably know, for Jason Barnard, I had him on my show. Yes. And um, he likes, he's a bit of a musician, Jason. So I, I sang him an intro. So I added some uh, effects into that um, before his episode there as well. But I don't have it, an FX button that I can just press on um, whatever hardware that I've got in front of me here as well. I, I changed my microphone recently, actually. I was using a very standard radio microphone called an RE20, and mm-hmm. that had a lovely, warm sound to it. But I didn't think it just looked cool enough, and I wanted something a little bit more special. So I got um, this microphone. If you're a viewer, you can see in front of me, you're, if you're a listener, then I can tell you it's a Shure 55 Super Deluxe. And it's not crazy expensive. It's it's about $200 US. And you've just got to know how to use it correctly. If you speak directly into it, which I won't do actually, because it causes a lot of plosives. If, if you use the P's and B's, then you're going to hear a lot of breath noise. And that's not particularly nice. So if you know how to use it, and if you stay a consistent distance away from it, it's a wonderful microphone. I don't really recommend this microphone as a starter microphone. I tend to recommend the Samson Q2U microphone as the starter microphone. I've compared in another video um, many different microphones and um, I decided that the Samson Q2U is, is the best starter microphone that people should have. Do, do you have any opinion on what people should actually start off with or do you think people should just go straight to the kind of system that you have? Well, I've, when I actually, I, when I had a microphone, it wasn't this at first, I mean, when before I wasn't live streaming, but just for meetings, just for great quality for meetings, mm. was the blue snowball. It was like this yeah, yeah. ball-looking um, uh, microphone, and I used that for meetings and for when I'm, when I was on Zoom. This was, that was before I was actually uh, live streaming, and then when I decided to live stream, that's when I actually got this mic here. Yeah, the Blue Snowball used to be very popular for podcasting. Um, Now the most popular microphone is probably the Blue Yeti. Um, But unfortunately, both of them are condenser microphones. Um, The two most popular types of microphone are condenser microphones and um, dynamic microphones. So a condenser microphone will generally pick up a lot more noise in the room. Um, Generally, it'll give you more of a full voice tone. So pick up your full voice frequency but um, they will pick up computer fan noises, noises from next door, from outside. And I don't like it for home office use, for home office use, which which most people are, are using nowadays. Um, I like a dynamic microphone, which has got a really small sweet spot. But if you use it and it's about three inches from your mouth and you speak over it, then 
dynamic microphone is what everyone should have, in my humble opinion. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I have actually just purchased a longer boom arm so the mic would be a lot closer to my mouth. Okay. Because I noticed that as well. I, you can hear an echo sometimes, depending if your room's treated or not. Yeah. You can you might hear an echo if you don't speak that close because you'll just be speaking loud and it'll kind of pick it up. So I've actually got a boom arm. And I'm curious. I see your boom arm there. I wanted something more heavy duty like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just using it. I'm I'm using an onstage desk desk and I'm using weights to weigh it down. I have my my lifting weights on the plates just so this thing won't tip over. So I'm curious, what what boom arm are you using for your mic? Well, I'm trying to actually <laughs> research it quickly as you're speaking there. Uh, I bought it about a year and a half ago or so and ended up getting it on eBay. Um, but it's a company that's based in the States. So let me say I will include that in the show notes and I'll let you know about it afterwards, Dre. But it is a decent heavy duty uh, microphone arm and I'm quite happy with it because you can just... Um, take it away quite easily and work on the desk and just um, take it back in and it's no problem at all. So you can, you can move it really easily. So it's certainly the best boom arm that I'd, uh, I've, I've had and I, and I highly recommend it. Um, in terms of other equipment that I'm using, so I've, I take my microphone into a voice channel, an art voice channel, and through that, I add a little bit of compression and mid-cut. Uh, do you add compression to your voice before people can hear it? Yes. Yeah, so with GoXLR, there's, they have an equalizer. So that's how I am able to find that perfect sound that I like. You know, with, I get this comment a lot of times in Zoom meetings like, oh my God, your voice tickles my ears. <laughs> so this is, so that's what I know. I got the right tone to just get more, be more persuasive in meetings, be, you know, be more persuasive in my pitches and stuff like that. Just being to catch that tone. I mean, some people don't realize that, you know, if you can get that warm feeling when you're in meetings and trying to, you know, have a business case, it's, it's, People pay attention. Absolutely. But it's very, very tricky, I suppose, unless you're doing a, uh, you've, you've studied a course to actually get the settings absolutely right to begin yeah. with. And, and that's partly why I recommend something like Samsung QTU to begin with, because it's just plug and play. You know, it's a decent sound to it straight away. Um, if you get one of these microphones and you start tweaking the settings and you um, tweak the wrong setting, it's going to be way worse than a basic microphone with, with a USB connection, because you just haven't got it right. You've, you've got to play it uh, accentuating maybe treble slightly. Um, if you want to add a little bit of a bass, you've got to do it at about um, 100 hertz, um, but you've got to possibly have um, a, a low cut um, as well, just to take any, uh, away any kind of boom booming bass. And you can also have a mid cut to your audio as well, because um, quite often if you get a bit of room echo um, or um, there, there, there's too much boominess in your voice. If you don't cut that away, it's quite difficult for people to listen to on, on, on headphones. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so um, the, the other software that we're both using is vMix. Yes. Um, so I guess a little discussion about that. Um, so I started off with OBS um, and uh, OBS is, is, is great. And I think probably just as good as vMix for many people at the moment. But when I started out um, live streaming probably about seven or eight years ago, um, I found OBS to be very glitchy and it, um, it's, it, it, it crashed a, a few times. And I ended up using vMix because of that. And vMix, <laughs> Touchwood has never crashed on me. So I, I, I love what you can do with it. Um, you, you've got different versions. I've got the pro version, so I can output multiple different sources to multiple different places, which means that I can also use uh, this other bit of software that I, I mentioned beforehand that I'm just experimenting with at the moment called Virtual Video Director. Uh, so what I'm going to do with that, um, and I'm doing 
this is part of a recording, but I'm going to live stream with it, is automatically changed the video uh, from me to you to a combined um, scene with both of us um, without me touching any buttons at all. It's challenging because it's never going to be absolutely perfect. And sometimes it's going to be on you when I'm talking a little bit and, and vice versa. But I there's only so many hands that I've got and only so many buttons that I can press at the same time. And I think it's probably best taking that off my role of responsibilities when I'm streaming live. Yeah, I find that, I mean, I think that's the art of it, right? I think that's why people get so amazed when, when you do certain things. It's like you're playing your instrument in front of you and your instrument are your keys, everything in front of you. And that's it's the art of like doing a live stream because like, they're like, wow, how do you do that? How do you do that? And like when, when you add like overlays, I mean, I use a lot of overlays within VMX. Uh, VMX is something that, you know, I also use and I want to, um, I put a lot of, I even use more sound effects and clips. I put clips, like if you know, if, if you watch the SEO video show, I get clips from random movies uh, for as reactions. Like there's this one from Friday goes, damn. And I would play that when someone drops a knowledge bomb and that clip would go on and it's just press of a button. That's what's so cool about VMX because you can do all these, you can get really, really custom with your overlays, your things you wanted to just do. So, so let's talk a little bit about your show then and how you create your content, because I, I've seen a few of your episodes and a few of them are quite long, um, you know, well over an hour long. So is that your intention to make them that long or did they just happen to be that long because you're having a great discussion? Oh, no, I do keep it. I try to keep it below uh, under an hour. So the, the reason why it's sometimes just about an hour is because I do a pre-show part of the part of the the live stream is to do a pre-show just to get people coming in so I can go live about 10 minutes beforehand. And that will, you know, the time, that's when I have the timer countdown. I do the contest. I'll, I'll give shouts out to all the guests out there. I'll give them like the, the air horn. And it's just, it's just a fun way to interact with the audience before we get uh, going with the actual show. Cause I actually have a scripted show. I've, I do my research on like videos that were released in the, within the past week. So it's all updated information by other SEOs out there. And then I introduce my guest. My guest comes in about 15 minutes into the show. And then we talk for about 30 minutes. So the actual show is about only about 45 minutes, 45, okay. 50 minutes. And have you done some research to actually determine that that's the ideal length of a show? Or does that just seem good for you? That just seems good for me. I do want to, For I mean, I'm just testing things out right now. But mm. yeah, I mean, I haven't done any research. And I do, I actually had, if you look at my very first episode, I did want to keep it to 30 minutes. Like just make it a 30 minute show, yeah. go boom, 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 30. But I'm able to keep the th conversation going and, you know, I have the ability to like, if I have enough content, just keep on things moving. Because within a live show, silence is kind of turns, you know, it, it cut, it's not good. It will kind of like, <laughs> not good. <laughs> yeah. So you want to keep talking, 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 either do your knowledge bombs, drop your sound effects, just to make sure it's just not silent. So that's, I found a way to do that with, and I'm able to do that for about an hour. And I think I could go on pretty long, but I do want to think about, you know, minimizing the show time. So, I mean, obviously we both create series, shows, if you want, yeah. we want to call them that. Do you, do you think there's additional benefits to having a consistent theme and, and show structure? Or is it just as effective to actually publish regular videos, regular content without necessarily keeping to the same structure? So that's, that's two different strategies that you can go for, right? I mean, this channel, I'm going to keep it as a live streaming strategy and then I'll post clips from the live stream. Maybe occasionally, maybe do videos to that 
on SEO, but for the most part, the SEO video show is the show. It's a show channel. It's it's scripted. I read my research. It's it's always going to be an interview. I've I've already the community has seen it as like, oh, it's one of the best interview shows out there. So I was like, all right, I'm getting cla- I'm getting classified as that interview show. Mm. So I'm not the one that does that does go live and maybe do tutorials, but I am the interview show. So that's where I'm going to take it. What I'm going to take it and make sure I'll be, I'll be that interview show. And, you know, you can always take clips from your shows to repurpose the content. Like I always, there's consistent questions I ask within the show that I always cut up. And then that is like how, you know, if you had any advice, how do you become a SEO professional? And then I ask that all the time. And I use that as a midweek uh, video I push out like every Wednesday right before the show and I'll push it out onto all my social networks and then remind people like, hey, don't forget to come by Friday. So it's kind of a chain reaction type of thing where I push something out, remind them about the show beforehand. So uh, my follow-up question was going to be, how do you market the show? So yeah. is social media the most effective way of driving people to the live stream? Do you have an email list as well? How do you drive people to watch show live? Well, that's something I want to build. I, I'm working on an email list because, hey, you know, I've seen people like all the things going on right now with YouTube. If people take on their channel, they lose everything. They're, if you can't just have that. So if you have your list, you can, you'll, you'll be able to be in contact with your your audience. So what I've been doing so recently just to get something going was creating a discord. So I've, I have a discord. I try to have people come in there to just conversate and just, Hey, join the discord or even join the email list. But I have more people in discord than my email list. So I guess it's, it's just, that's just a fact. And the way I promote it too. So this is like my, my schedule is on Monday, I do a recap of the, the show previous of the previous week. I give the three tips and then promote, hey, check me out this Friday for this upcoming guest. Then on Wednesday, I will actually promote, you know, I'll have the how to be an SEO professional, have that video and then promote that everywhere. And then also daisy chain like, oh, don't forget to see me on Friday. Then on Friday, I will like, depending on what channel I'm on, I will like say it's Twitter. I'll use that. I'll quote my original tweet and retweet it and just say, hey, don't forget to join me this Friday. So I'm doing things every week on a consistent basis. And then for my guest, if my guest is posting on LinkedIn, I respond to their comments and stuff like that. And I'll, I'll drop a link to the show. Like, Hey, I'm looking forward to seeing you this Friday. So I'm kind of like wherever there's engagement where I can feel like I can genuinely kind of promote it. I'll promote it. So I haven't really ex- experimented with having a discord. What's the advantage to doing that rather than having something like a Facebook group? Well, I mean, I do have a Facebook group too. So that's why I've just tried everything. So I have a Facebook group, LinkedIn, LinkedIn group, and a Discord. And the, the link, I mean, the LinkedIn group is a lot more, has a lot more um, engagement than my Facebook group. I guess it's just, the, it depends on your audience, right? So, I mean, and I picked Discord just because I wanted to start bringing in callers. And I know they have a calling feature. I just kind of got a tip like, hey, yeah, you can... Yeah you can bring chat in from your live streams from the gaming community. I was like, Oh, okay. So I, that's the reason why I got discord just to kind of test that feature out. I haven't actually played with it yet, uh, but I do what plan on doing that so I can bring in more voice callers or anything like that onto the show. Yeah. Voice callers could be great. I mean, I experimented with clubhouse a bit. So because I've got a roadcaster, I can plug my iPad directly into my roadcaster and use Clubhouse or something like that to actually take callers in. So I can broadcast, I can stream live to Clubhouse and then take callers in through that. And I've experimented with that and, and done that successfully. And, and that, that's quite an interesting strategy and something that I may do more of in the future. Um, but I got the feeling that Clubhouse... <sighs> 
isn't as popular as it used to be. And LinkedIn audio is something that's coming and that's something that appeals to me more. Um, have you experimented with Clubhouse yourself as well? No, I'm an Android user, so I've have okay. not been able to even download the app. <laughs> I, think, I think they've got Android now, or maybe they've, they've, they've intended to have it. But. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, uh, well, when they first came out, when the whole hype was for it, I was like, oh, let me try and get it. I'm like, oh, okay, it's just for Apple users only. Okay, so um, just a couple of more questions about your own show. So I know that mm -hmm. uh, you really focus on live streaming. Do you get mm -hmm. more viewers to the replays compared with um, the people that actually turn up for the live stream? Yes, yes. I mean, I, I my goal is to get, I mean, I want to, by the end of this year, I want to get 100 uh, live, like live viewers at, at once. But yeah, of course, the replays get the most of the views. I mean, I would get, I believe like, Every once I go live, I'll have maybe fifty to eighty. That's nice. But like, That's nice. Yeah, but after um, an hour, two hours later, it, it it like doubles. So it's it's and then like throughout the throughout the week, it gets more. So each each um, depending on the guest, uh, I, I believe each show after a while averages about four hundred, four hundred, then four hundred within the first couple of weeks, four hundred views every couple of weeks, and then of course the older they get. It, it racks up on more views. I think those stats are saying you need to live stream for 10 hours. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I, again, it could be when you live stream, it's all about being genuine, just transparent. I mean, I love it. It's just being, it's just your own personality, right? Mm. And you could just be yourself. And if people like love what you're talking about and have fun, why not? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I've hosted a couple of crazy live streams before. I mean, I've emceed big virtual events for about nine hours, but um, I've hosted a live stream for something like four hours in a row and actually been on it mm -hmm. and, and had um, something like 60, 70 guests on over that four hours or so um, and just automatically coming on. And it's it's adrenaline fueled and it's yes. it's, <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, it's, it's a bit crazy, but it's fun as well. Yeah, no, I, th that's what it is. That th That's what it's really all about, the adrenaline too. Like there's adrenaline with the live views because you don't know what's going to happen. Anything happen, like some failures or anything just pops up. Those are what the things that I love. So um, I, I view a podcast or a YouTube show as very much hub content, episodic content that um, people who have heard about your brand, but maybe haven't purchased from you, have an opportunity to stay in touch with you and um, engage with that content, listen to the content, and then be reminded of the fact that you exist, and then perhaps purchase from you at some point in the future. How do you view the value of having a show for a B2B brand, say? Oh, I think it's great. I mean, I would want, I would want actually, it's kind of a strategy I want to bring up to companies I work with. I'm like, hey, live streaming is a new video uh, tactic that you can get into. Like a lot, a lot of people are doing it. You can get more, um, you can maybe do like, like I guess like it's like, like say SEMrush, right? SEMrush, they actually do a lot of live streaming videos mm -hmm. and they're getting in contact with their customers, right? Their customers are getting that, that live, it's almost like an office hours that they're doing. And having that for the customers is huge value. And I think that's why SEMrush has been quite successful within, with their video. I've hosted loads of things for SEMrush in the past. I, I hosted about 40 or 50 episodes of their podcasts and um, loads of different webinars as well. So, they're, But they're a brand that does so many different um, um, live streams. It's incredible. Um, now, yeah. 
I'm not sure if the viewer is seeing this, but for some reason, my virtual video director software is automatically sometimes going to my desktop for some reason. <laughs> so that's a very strange thing to be to be happening. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my VMix application over to that desktop um, just to see if it actually takes that. But why is it doing that? And um, and but th that's the kind of thing that you, you learn and you experiment with and you see why it's happening. And um, unless you actually really push the boundaries in terms of what's possible you never actually see what's happening and you just have to ride with it. If you do live streaming for any length of time, things are going to happen to you that are challenging and you just have to deal with them. What's the biggest challenge that you faced while you were live streaming? Oh man, I, there's so many. I mean, I, when I just first started, I remember like you would panic. Like if you, that's one thing, you just stay calm when things go wrong. Mm. Like whether or not if the, um, if the guest internet goes out, like there was one time I just ended the stream because I didn't know what to do. I was like, okay, next time I won't do that. So I have a fail safe. So I have a fail safe button. Like if they go out, it, it will go to play music or whatever, or just, you know, have something that goes on. So you learn, you, you learn from these mistakes, like if something like that happens and, and, and then, you know, when you have um, people knocking on the door, banging on doors, like you, they, people hear it. It's just, you just have to kind of call it out. Like, oh, I think that's someone at the door. <laughs> I mean, because you could hear it. It's, it's you, you just have to acknowledge it. Because if you ignore it, it'll just be like, okay, what is that? Let's go to a and, quick commercial um, break and I'll go and pick up my yeah. parcel. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, what, what's great too about live streaming is the audience will also tell you if something's wrong. They're like, hey, hey, Dre, I can't hear, I can't hear you. Your mic's off or yeah. whatever it is. And, then, and so that's when you get that feedback, it's great having them. And then that's, hey, that's all about being live. And Absolutely. Just, and then you, know, you can't figure out what the problem is. And then you start sweating. And, you <laughs> yeah. and then there's things when guests will do things that you never knew they can do. Like um, on VMix, I had a guest one time take over my screen or mm. like take over the screen and show their desk. I'm like, how'd you do that? I didn't know VMix allowed you to do that. And, and, and they, it's something that I just someone did as um while they're on the show i was like oh that's pretty cool okay i can tell people they can share their screen now <laughs> yeah absolutely and you can't plan for everything beforehand you can't educate yourself about every single scenario that's going to happen you, you just have to get moderately educated and then go live and then improve as you go yep Look, you mentioned um, towards the beginning of our conversation that you were going to start a podcast or thinking of starting a podcast. Is there any chance that you can publicly commit to doing that or a certain date or is that something going to the future? Well, I'm, I am definitely starting a new channel. I, I've, I'm taking everything I learned from the SEO video show and I'm going to take the best parts of it. Like, like you mentioned, like we were talking about making sh shorter interviews. I have, um, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to get some help because I kind of have this processes built out that I'm going to give to like a video editor and stuff like that to help me out and produce these, the contents for my new channel, which is Dre.tv. I own the domain, okay. um, which is something that I would probably want to eventually put out. But yeah, so that's something I'm, I'm going to be focusing on next. It's, it's another live stream show hash like you know content channel superb okay you heard it here first yeah. <laughs> let's segue to yes. part two of our discussion so it's now time for dre's thoughts on the state of digital marketing today so starting off with secret software so dre share a lesser known martech tool that's bringing you a lot of value at the moment and why that tool is important for you one secret software that i use is something called clickflow i don't know if people know about clickflow but what what it does is it measures you connect your google search console to this this tool and it measures like uh, your content decay. So it'll show exactly right away which pieces of content that you're rank we're ranking for before and just totally 
tanked just in recent days. So I was like, hey, this maybe this piece of content needs a refresh. It also does meta title A B testing. So if you have um if you have a high impressions in Google Search Console and very, very low clicks, you can test titles and it will measure and see which titles are working better for you. And totally awesome. I've driven over 500% on some of my clients on just testing these these meta titles and uh, updating content that's decaying. Superb. I'm just looking at um, where to find it. It's just clickflow.com, isn't it? Yes, clickflow.com. Wonderful stuff. Okay, well, moving on from something that you currently use to something you're going to use. So that is next on the list. So what's one marketing activity or tool that you haven't tried yet, but you want to test soon? One activity is I wanted to do a lot more video marketing. Uh, that's because, you know, I'm doing a lot more video and I've, I've, I've been trying to like figure it out. I've been actually, again, taking courses. I'm a fan of taking courses. You can learn from a lot from taking courses by just someone that is a professional at it as, as well, that does it really well. Learn from that and then you can just get going right away. So I'm actually learning how to get targeted traffic on YouTube uh, using Google ads. I mean, I've used, I'm a PPC expert as well. So I, I do that for my, the companies I work for. But Google ads is totally something different. And I'm applying what I've learned from this course and what I've known in the past. And I'm, I've been testing for just about a month right now. And oh my God, things are looking good. I'm getting targeted traffic, SEO traffic to my certain like, clips that I'm producing for the show. And it's been just driving up my subscriber counts and more views. Okay, superb. I think we should maybe try and delve a little bit deeper into that because I've been studying into YouTube. I've been reading a few books on YouTube as well. And one thing that people are saying is that um, you need the right traffic going to your YouTube videos because if you have the wrong people interacting with your videos, then they're not going to stay. They're not going to watch that long at all. And it's actually going to have a negative effect rather than actually any positive yes. effect at all. And if you do any paid advertising, then you should consider even just focusing on certain videos that are just paid or maybe even unlisted videos. Do you run your paid ads to all of your videos and what type of paid ads do you actually do? No. So these are my unlisted videos. Like, okay. well, they're my, they're my Monday promo videos. Okay. So these are like under a minute long. I do in stream. And what you do is, this is a quick tip for anyone that wants a large stream or has a YouTube channel, connect your YouTube channel to your Google ads account, and then you can create an audience list. So anyone that has viewed your list, I mean, not viewed your list, but anyone has viewed your channel mm -hmm. will get cookied in the Google ad system, and then you could just retarget them. So these are people that have already watched your videos. So every time I like, put out an ad real quick, the, the watch time is like almost 90%. It's like they watched it all the way. They'll watch the ad because I mean, it's something that they're familiar with me. I'm giving them an update. I'm giving them my three learning lessons from the previous week. So it's kind of a strategy you have to kind of put out there. But yeah, create that, connect your channel, retarget your users on Google ads. Okay. On Google ads, you mean text ads on Google search? No, no, no. So Google ads, there's video ads within Google ads. Mm -hmm. That's how you kind of advertise on Google. Well, actually, I'm not sure. I've always been advertising on YouTube in Google ads, okay. uh, google.com slash ads. Yeah. The right. uh, dashboard. So, so, so do, do you, is it pre-roll videos you're talking about then? Yeah. In-stream pre-rolls. I've been uh, playing with discover as well. There's a certain strategy to do with discover and those uh, don't get as much as, I mean, because these are the longer videos too, because discover videos are kind of pretty much you want to, you're pretty much trying to get on top of the other videos, right? It's kind of looks like you have your thumbnail, everything like that. And that's something that I have to play with a little more, but the, the what I've seen a lot more success in is in my in-stream ads. Okay. Less than okay. a minute long. Yeah. Okay, great. And just one small follow-up question in relation to that. So you say target people who have already watched your video. Can you target people who have already watched your video, but haven't subscribed to you yet? 
No, not not that I know of. Because there's there's no feature that has that in at least Google Ads. I don't know if there's. I'm pretty sure you have to use Google Ads to advertise on YouTube because mm. I mean they're connected. Um, but there's no feature that I see that there. I've I definitely want uh, use that feature. I'm all about really really niching down, target going hyper targeted. I even go into. Sometimes I'll target certain channels, right? You can pick certain channels yeah. and that's how I do some things too. And if you want to get net new traffic, this is something where you can do too. If you want to get net new traffic, make sure you have your, you can put your, you can pick the channels that you want your placement on. And then when that's the audience that you build to retarget later on as well. So you want to pick all the channels, like in my case, SEO channels, I try to find as much as I can and put my ad only there. So I know that the, the people that are going there is um, someone that's interested in SEO. Okay. And I'm sorry, just to confirm the call to action that you have. So you take a small section of a video that you've already recorded, uh, kind of a highlights video and use that as an ad and drive people towards the main video or do you do it some other way? Oh, no, no, no. It's it's, it's a quick, just me talking, just just uh, something I record for just quick 30 seconds. Literally like, so right after, right after my interview every Friday, mm-hmm. I will have, I wrote down the three points and I, while my cameras thing is all set up, I'll write down like, okay, this past week we learned blah, 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 blah. And please check me out next week for this coming guest. And that I just record for about 30 to less than a minute mm. that same day. And then I'll use that and promote on Monday and I'll use that as ads. Okay. And, and you'll drive people towards your channel or the, the long yeah, form channel. piece of video content? No, no, no. I drive to the channel with the um, subscribe link. Mm-hmm. So when they click right. on the ad, it would ask them to subscribe. Yeah, yeah. Understood. Okay. <laughs> I like diving specifically into exactly what you're doing. So that's that, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. Okay, let, let's yeah. dive into the this or that round. So this is the quick quick response round. Ten quick questions here. Just two rules. Try not to think about the answer too much. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. So use it wisely. Are you ready? All right. All right. Let's go. TikTok or Twitter? Twitter. Facebook or LinkedIn? LinkedIn. YouTube or podcast? YouTube. (laughs) Traffic or leads? Leads. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Ads or influencers? Ads. Google ads or Facebook ads? Google ads. Email marketing or chat marketing? Email marketing. Martech Stack or all-in-one platform? Martech Stack. And one-to-one or scale? Scale. No both required. That was far too easy for you at all. Was there one question you were struggling with or were they all too easy? I don't know if the the podcast, I want to do a podcast on YouTube, but that one I probably said both because I, I mean, that's something I want to do. That's actually the podcasting scene is what made me start my YouTube, right? So, 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 I mean, you said that you were going to maybe take some of your content and mix it up and, and, and then produce a podcast series from that. Are you not intending to just create a, a section from each show and just use that for your podcast and just repurpose the content? So this is what I was thinking. I was thinking either taking the interview and maybe using that as the podcast version mm-hmm. or because um, I, when I'm, when I'm trying to build my email list and when I when I want to recap the past episode, I'm thinking about maybe doing that as a podcast. Like, OK, I'll send the email out and then read it out as a podcast as my recap of the week and maybe kind of do that to kind of promote the show. 
That would work. I mean, there's no hard and fast rules with a podcast. It can be a, a three-minute podcast or it can be a three-hour podcast. Um, and mm. it's, it, if, if the content is good enough and all the content's relevant and listeners like it, then, then why not at all? Uh, the only thing I'd say about a very short podcast is just be very mm. careful with um, having an intro and an outro. Because with a very short podcast, people tend to consume multiple episodes in the same sitting. And if they have to consume the same intro and outro um, every single time, they'll quickly get fed up of that and perhaps move on to something else. Okay, thank you. That's all right. <laughs> okay, let's move on to... <laughs> the $10,000 question. So if I were to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Remarketing, I, like I was talking about earlier, getting targeted, targeted on, tar- getting going hyper targeted, and just remarketing to the people. Your past customers are your best customers, right? I mean, if they bought from you f- before, they'll buy from you again. And again, this is something you can just really measure just by by keeping a great relationship with them, to have to keep them in the conversation, like you mentioned earlier, right? You said like, hey, this having B two B companies and being able to just talk to your um, whether it's your customers or people that want to buy from you, just having them there and then being able to retarget them, market to them, back to my own customers, yes. So are you a fan of building similar audiences as well? Or is that just never going to be as effective as remarketing? I am a fan because it will open up the doors, but I've noticed when I've done that, uh, it's it doesn't seem as cool. <laughs> I mean, I'm getting like, I, like, even like if I send traffic, like a similar audience, uh, say display advertising to a similar audience, it's like the the bounce rate the time on page is horrendous i mean it's not it's not as as good as having the people that have actually okay okay very visit yeah interesting well let's finish off by shifting the focus to someone else who deserves it so that is a magical marketer so who's an up-and-coming marketer that you'd like to give a shout out to what can we learn from them and where can we find them all right. This this shout out goes out to Steve Toth. He is an excellent SEO. He was uh, the former SEO of FreshBooks and he actually started, he actually has been having his SEO notebook.com. He gives out weekly tips. So I want to give him, and I've listened to him all the time. I've, he has a YouTube channel that he just started, but he actually emails this out and it's, he has over about, I think, I don't know if it's like 6,000 subscribers already, but last time I talked to him, it was a lot less than that. So it's growing really, really fast. If you guys don't know, it's seonotebook.com. Steve Toth, he's a man. Um, he was a past guest on my show. So big out, shout out to Steve. Absolutely superb stuff. Well, that was episode 258 of Digital Marketing Radio, where Dre DeVera from the SEO Video Show shared some incredible tips about, firstly, his own setup to begin with. Um, he's got some wonderful cameras going on there. Um, 1.4 aperture, uh, 24 millimeter. You've got three different cameras going into your um, black magic box and showing them off uh, for anyone who's watching on um, video there at the moment. And um, we talked so much about our gear, didn't we? We had a good uh, 25 plus minute probably discussion about our gear there as well. It's difficult to focus on any highlights there as well. Um, I like the fact that um, you're experimenting with your show content, you're changing it up, you're you're trying to improve things all the time. You can never get things absolutely perfect when you start off to begin with. A lot of people, I think, before they start off a video show, think that they know exactly what their show is going to look like, what their structure is going to be, what the purposes are going to be. The reality is, is episode 10 is going to be very different from episode 1, and episode 100 is going to be a incredibly different to episode 10. So you just have to map out your first three episodes and just get going and um, get started with live streaming. Start your own show and 
it'll do wonderful things, I'm sure, for your brands. Um, Dre, you shared um, some great tips on the software. So we talked about ClickFlow, uh, clickflow.com. You visited um, next on the list, um, video marketing. Uh, your magical marketer was Steve Toth. Um, all those resources that you mentioned are going to be included in the show notes at digitalmarketingradio.com. Dre, what's the best software platform for someone to follow you and to say hi? I'm on LinkedIn.com, like religiously. So come by LinkedIn. You can, I'm at Paul Andre and I'm on Twitter as well. Wonderful. At okay. Paul Andre. I'll make sure there's links to that in the show notes there as well. I've been your host, David Bain. You can also find me producing podcasts and YouTube shows for B2B brands over at castingcred.com. And still we meet again. Stay hungry, stay foolish, and stay subscribed. Aloha. DigitalMarketingRadio.com DigitalMarketingRadio.com DigitalMarketingRadio DigitalMarketingRadio DigitalMarketingRadio.com